Welcome to episode 76 of the Family Answer Man podcast. We're glad that you're here with us today. Uh, We're talking about how to handle kids that are on the naughty list this Christmas from a biblical worldview on the Family Answer Man podcast. I'm your host, David Orgis, and I'm here with Dr. Mark Crosby, pastor, educator, marriage and family therapist, and resident expert on the Family Answer Man podcast, where we tackle tough questions that families face and discuss practical solutions that really do work. Now, Family Answer Man podcast is not a therapy session. We're not able to give specific advice to your situation. We do believe that mental and spiritual health are very serious issues and that family dynamics can be and often are very complicated. So for in-depth answers to your questions, we encourage you to seek professional counsel specific to your unique circumstances. However, if you would take a second right now, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, if you would subscribe and hit the notification bell, uh, you will never miss an episode of The Family Answer Man. And if you're listening via podcast, take a moment to follow, to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. That really helps us out a lot, helps more people hear about this podcast and hopefully receive the help that they're looking for. Uh, If our content has helped you at all, Please share the Family Ants Man with your family and your friends so they can join you on this journey of building stronger, healthier, happier families. Well, uh, Dr. Mark, it is good to be here with you. We got a fun topic today uh, talking about uh, kids that may be on the naughty list this year, uh, which I'm sure uh, you may, uh, you probably have never dealt with that. You have uh, have kids and uh, of your own and then grandkids of your own. And uh, so in your experience, do good kids ever end up on the naughty list? Of course. We, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says. so. <laughs> there you go. With that being said, yeah, I mean, e- even good kids are going to have you know difficult moments. Even yep. good kids are going to have times where they are somewhat uh, disruptive or defiant, uh, oppositional, if you will. Uh, but the reality is that most children who are well-trained, if you will, or parents who are involved in uh, the child's life, uh, who have learned how to be respectful, who've learned how to be polite, who've been trained how to use good manners. Uh, most of these children are going to be that way, hopefully, the vast majority of the time. Right. We all have our bad days. We all have mm-hmm. our bad moments. We all have those times that uh, are irritating and aggravating and so forth. We all will share things or do things that maybe are not becoming of our general uh, nature or the general atmosphere of our home. But the reality is most kids who are well-trained and who are well-disciplined, if you will, are going to be on the proverbial good list. Uh, but yeah, we do yeah. we do have our moments where we say things and do things or maybe get tempted and fall to temptation as children as well as adults. Uh, but we're not talking about, I think, those children today. What we're right. talking about are those who have a chronic condition and what to do with that and how to manage that. Uh, and so this is kind of the, the focus of, of, I think, this this question today. Which is perfect. Uh, you know, it is a good reminder to all of us and a good reminder to all the parents and grandparents out there today that we have bad days, our mm-hmm. kids are going to have bad days, of and course. we can give grace and mercy in those situations. But the question that's written in to the Family Answer Man today, and you can get your question uh, on air, we would love to answer that for you. Uh, you can email us at familyanswerman at liveoak.church, familyanswerman at liveoak.church. Uh, we'd love to answer you your questions. And today's question says, my six grandkids, ages five, seven, and 10 are coming for Christmas. We love them, but they're disrespectful. They're rude. They throw tantrums and their parents seem to have little to no ability to control them or have any authority. We don't want to be the Grinches. So what can we do? 
Wow, yeah. So when it comes to children, uh, many will argue that training has to start early. Mm. Uh, Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and even when he is old, they will not depart from it. And I believe what that scripture is saying is more than just, hey, bring your kids to church. When they get older, they'll go to church. And right. so many parents want to you know, use that verse for, for that purpose. Mm. And I'm not saying that that may not be... It doesn't know, apply. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. It, that, that doesn't apply in that area. And in may, many cases, it may. But the reality is that we're talking about coaching children in everyday life. Mm. Yeah. Coaching your kids. And I use that word coaching because, again, as you said in previous programs, coaches get involved. They get involved in the child's uh, in, in their in their um, player's life. They get involved in what they want their players to do. They let their players know what they expect from them. They let their players know, you know, what to expect in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they rehearse. Uh, they practice. They go over a drill over and over and over again until the players get it right. And so, when you train uh, an athlete, you do all those things. Mm-hmm. When you train a child or when you coach a child as a parent, you do all those things. Do the same things. That's you right. You get involved. You repeat the behavior. You let them know what you're expecting. Uh, you rehearse and you practice until they have it you know, ready to go. And so these are things that we're called to do as parents. Unfortunately, we don't do that to the degree I believe that, that we need to. Uh, and I'm afraid many of our teachers who are listening uh, may say amen to that <laughs> as they are working with the children who come from homes in many respects that may not have that sort of training or right, coaching. Right. So we're called to teach our children to respect authority, to respect adults, to respect teachers. This is crucial to do. Uh, many people who train dogs will say mm-hmm. something very similar. Mm-hmm. And what they will say is there's no such thing as a bad dog. The only thing that really is out there are bad dog owners. Mm. And I know that stings. Right. But there's some truth to that. Mm. And many could apply that same principle to parenting. Mm. And so this is a problem that I think many will run into. And the problem for many parents is that they make the mistake of believing, I want my child to be a happy child. And so their goal, they will tell you, is to create a happy child. But I will argue that's not the goal of the parent. The goal of the parent, I will argue, is, again, to create a confident child, a respectful child, an obedient child, an independent child, a loving child. And if a parent can produce or or coach or train up a child who's confident, respectful, obedient, independent, and loving, that child will in turn be happy. Right. And so what happens to a lot of parents is, I want my child to be happy, so I will never say no. Mm. I will give them everything they want. Instant gratification. Instant gratification. They throw a tantrum, and I will then give them what they're wanting. And so the two primary mistakes I believe that most parents make, and look, I think I've made these mistakes. I think most of the listening audience have made these mistakes. Is number one, I become extremely uh, authoritarian, meaning we have all these rules and all this punishment. Rules, punishment, rules, punishment. You can't do this. You can't do that. Rules, punishment. And also restrictions and confinement. Restrictions and confinement. And so when you're a child and all you know is rules and punishment, restriction and confinement, you want to push back against that. Hmm. You're going to eventually rebel against that. The second primary mistake we make is, as parents, is we become extremely permissive. Do what you want, no consequences, and let the kids pull down all the power. In both of those extremes, that creates, in most cases, a child who has very little discipline, very little respect for authority, uh, very little self-confidence, etc. But an authoritative parent, which is different from an authoritarian parent, an authoritative parent, that style 
presents a sense of standards that are clear. There is a sense of well-disciplined, you know, strictness, if you will, but they definitely uh, synthesize the loving, warm, nurturing relationship building that is needed between a parent and child. So there are probably a lot of people that are asking, because most people know what permissive parenting looks mm-hmm. like, also know what uh, authoritarian parenting right. looks like, probably wondering about authoritative parenting. So authoritative, yeah. So authoritative says, hey, we have standards and we have uh, rules and, and there are things that we feel that are uh, important and things that are strict, but it doesn't stay there. It is blended with a loving, warm, nurturing relationship building. You know, it's the dad who says, three strikes and you're out as you're teaching your child how to play baseball. And if the child, you know, three strikes is out and the child says, I don't want to be out. I want to, I want another chance. And the dad says, no, three strikes and you're out, but I'm your coach. And we'll talk about this, you know, over dinner tonight as to how to hit the ball better. Mm. So you have a dad who's involved, a dad who is uh, training his child how to play baseball, but he's also saying, "Son, if you miss, you know, three strikes, you're out. You, you still have the, to you still, obey you, the rules. You still have game. to obey the rules." Yeah. So my point is, <clears throat> there are rules there, but there's also coaching there. There's also nurturing there. There's also how do we get better? Mm. Not just three strikes and you're out. Sit the bench and you know you're a terrible baseball player. You know, <laughs> right? You know, you, you'll never play. You, you'll never mount yeah. anything. You know. Or, okay, you can have one more chance. I know three strikes is for everybody else, but you're special. No, you don't do that. Three strikes and you're out. But look, we're going to talk about this. We're going to work on how to hit the ball better, et cetera. So that's an uh, authoritative uh, type of parent as opposed to authoritarian. So again... Uh, the, 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 these parents, the point is, they take the time to get involved with their children. They take the time to coach their children, both in a coaching of life or coaching of sports or whatever it may be, coaching in music. Uh, and so rules are needed, but rules alone don't create respectful children. Oh, wow. So we'll, we'll say that one again. Rules are always needed, but rules alone don't create respectful children. In fact, many will argue that without a relational-based parental involvement, some children with certain inherited temperament may develop what is first called oppositional defiant disorder. Oppositional defiant disorder. I think most of our listening audience may have heard of this. It's a, it's a diagnosis from the diagnostic manual. But basically, uh, oppositional defiant disorder is usually seen as early as age six or seven. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about two childhood disorders uh, in in this program. The first one being oppositional defiant disorder. Again, as we said earlier, uh, starts around age six or seven. The average age that this is seen in most children who have this is around the age of eight. Okay. And so many will argue that the research indicates this as an inherited trait in about 61% of all cases. Wow. Uh, Yes. So, And also ADHD uh, is also a common comorbidity in the lives of some of these children. So it really is our fault. <laughs> well, what it is, is, it, it, is, that, is that, again, and the Bible speaks to this, that we are born, if you will, with this sense of rebellion. Right. Okay? Yeah. We are born with this sense of wanting to push back against that which mm-hmm. is godly and good. 
And so the reality is some are going to have more of that than others, okay? Just like some are more musical than others, and right. some are more athletic than others, and some are better at math than others. Some can sing on pitch better than others, okay? You know, some of these children are going to be uh, leaning in that direction where they are more oppositionally defiant. Mm-hmm. And so, so basically, for those who may not be aware of this diagnosis, oppositional defiant disorder basically is a pattern of angry, irritable mood. They're argumentative, they're defiant, they're vindictive. And anytime you see a child who, who has some of these traits that are, again, they're constantly angry, constantly irritable, argumentative, defiant, moody, vindictive, and it lasts for more than six months— and meets the following criteria, then one could argue that this could be a diagnosis of oppositional defiance disorder. So what are some of the um, criteria, what are some of the symptoms, if you will? Now remember, a child has to meet four uh, of these symptoms. Number one, they they often lose their temper. This is a child that you know, no matter what happens, they don't get ice cream, you know, for, for dessert. They don't get, you know, to watch TV, you know, uh, past seven o'clock or whatever. And they go into this temper tantrum rage. So okay. they often lose their temper. Number two, they are touchy or easily annoyed. They're constantly complaining, you know, he touched me, he did this, she did that. <laughs> I don't like them, you know, this is everybody's fault. But they're touchy and they're easily annoyed. Um, they're often angry or resentful towards those around them. Um, they often argue with authority figures, especially adults, um, even their own parents or grandparents or an aunt or uncle, but they often argue with authority figures. Um, they often and actively defy or refuse to comply with requests from authority figures with rules. Uh, in other words, if someone says, you know, you need to stop before you go any further, they don't want to stop. Uh, If someone says, you need to do this before you do that, they want to push back. And so they're constantly defying uh, or refusing to comply with some of the requests uh, that authorities will make. They often deliberately annoy others. Mm. Uh, They're the ones who are always poking and picking and picking and poking, you know, waiting for someone to respond or react. Uh, They often blame others for their mistakes. You know, they never take, you know, the, the blame, if you will, for why this happened or why that happened or why they didn't make their bed or why their room's not clean, you know, so-and-so, you know, came The in. cup fell. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. So often blames others for his or her mistakes. Uh, they're often spiteful or vindictive at least twice in the past six months. So they're, so they're the kind of child that if, you know, little sister tattles, uh, three days later, little sister's doll's broken. Or whatever, mm. or little sister's favorite toys thrown away. So they are spiteful and they're vindictive. Um, so that's very important to note. And so if a child meets four of that, you know, uh, eight or so criteria, half of them, then one could, if that happens in a six month or so period, uh, one could say there's some oppositional defiance going on here. Uh, now, the one that is worse than ODD or oppositional defiance disorder is also called conduct disorder. Mm. Uh, there's some comorbidity with conduct disorder as well. Uh, again, depression, ADHD, learning disorders. But this group is ranging from the ages of 10 to 19 in most cases. Okay. Ages 10 to 19 is where this group is often found with conduct disorder. And conduct disorder is very serious. Uh, your conduct disorder for the ages 10 to 19, these are your bullies. 
These are the ones who threaten. These are the ones who want to intimidate. These are the ones who want to uh, do someone else harm. Uh, as a matter of fact, they initiate physical fights. They're the ones who pick on smaller children, if you will. Um, they usually sometimes will use a weapon. These are the kids who will maybe carry a knife in their pocket. These are the kids who will, you know, always have a stick in their hand. These are the kids mm-hmm. who will swing that stick and, and hurt people. Um, they're often cruel to people. Uh, they're the ones who will throw, you know, nails, you know, in someone's driveway or whatever. Uh, they're the ones also who are cruel to animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the ones who will do very inappropriate things or, or whatever to rabbits or cats or dogs or, or puppies even uh, without any remorse. Um, they're cruel to animals. Uh, these are the folks who will snatch your purse. Uh, if you're walking in the mall, mm. uh, these are the, per- the these are the people who will, um, you know, push you down to get something off of you, your hat or whatever. Uh, these are the people who are, uh, again, will force someone, maybe use a smaller child, uh, in many cases, to do something very inappropriate. And so, this conduct disorder is very, very, very serious. But it goes yeah. on. Uh, these are the folks who will deliberately set fire to things uh, causing damage. Uh, I remember years ago, um, uh, we were uh, in, in Buras, and, and there was a, a child a little younger than, the, than this age range, but this person was trying to set our cry room on fire. Uh, there, were some, there were some matches within his reach that was used uh, to light candles, okay, for like Christmas Eve services or whatever. And he found this box of matches, and he was sitting in this sofa that was a cloth sofa, you know, and he tried to light it on fire. Holy smokes. And, when, and the crazy thing is, when he was confronted, he blamed his 18-month-old little sister. <laughs> okay, so, so, oh, so now, now the, the crazy thing is, is that about 10 years later, uh, this child was on every uh, diagnostic list imaginable, mm. uh, a ward of the state, the whole bit. Wow. So, so this is very serious. You know, th- these are things that do not, in many cases, uh, cure themselves. Yeah. You don't often outgrow, in most cases, these behaviors. So not only do they deliberately set things on fire, uh, causing damage, they will also deliberately destroy the property of other people. Uh, they're the ones who will, you know, throw things in, in the toilet of their grandparents and flush it and see what happens, you know, or whatever. Uh, so they're deliberately destroying property. Uh, they're the kind of people who will break into someone's home. Uh, they'll mm. break into someone's building, break into someone's car, or whatever it may be, uh, to get whatever they want or just to do damage. Uh, they often lie to obtain or to avoid. Uh, they will lie to get things, and they, or they will lie to avoid things. They will also steal and shoplift. Uh, these are the ones who will steal the jewelry out of their grandmother's jewelry box. Um, they shoplift. Uh, for those uh, who, again, 13 and under, these are the ones who stay out past curfew. These are the ones who will uh, go through their bedroom window and go run the streets at night. Uh, these are the ones who will run, run away from home at least two times uh, in a, in a six-month period. Uh, and these are the ones who, again, at 13 and under, will not go to school. They, uh, they will get off the bus and go somewhere else and go to the local, you know, a Dairy Queen or whatever. And so the point is, is that these children, 
uh, really, really struggle. And so if a child meets four of these 15, then they can be considered diagnosed with conduct disorder. The worst part about all of this is that these children lack remorse or guilt. Uh, they have no concern about suffering. They have no concern about causing suffering, I should say. Um, and again, if they meet four out of the 15 that we've just listed, uh, that could be a diagnosis of conduct disorder. Here's where it gets even worse. 50% of all children and adolescents who have been diagnosed with conduct disorder, 50% of them will later grow up into adulthood with the diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder, wow. which, is, which is a fancy way of basically what we used to call the psychopath. Right. And so, again, no remorse, no guilt, no shame, uh, no feeling of sympathy or empathy for what they've done or whatever or to the person. And so something to note, and this is going to hopefully get the attention. So if you've tuned out listening, please tune back in because <laughs> you're going to want to hear this next point. Okay. Here's something to note that the research has started to unravel and to present. Technology, more than four hours a day, increases oppositional defiant disorder. And social media, involved beyond an hour a day, can increase these symptoms in conduct disorder as well as oppositional defiant disorder anywhere from 28 to 62%. Wow, that is those are big numbers. Those are big numbers. What it's saying is is that the, this 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 overindulged involvement in this in, in the, the technology, screen time, you know, social media, all these things, it is starting to impact the developing brain more than than we once realized. And so this is something to note. This is something to be aware of. Kids need to be outdoors. Kids need to be riding bikes. Kids need to be playing ball in the backyard. Mm -hmm. Kids need to be playing hopscotch, you know, on the sidewalk. You know, kids yeah. need to be, you know, playing hide and seek with their friends or whatever it is. They need to be outdoors. They need to be involved. They need fresh air. They need sunshine. They need interaction with other kids. They need to understand the rules of their particular culture and environment and friendships, et cetera. Because when they spend too much time in front of the computer, too much time on the laptop, too much time, too much screen time, if you will, it does impact the brain. And by impacting the brain, it impacts their behavior. So again, it's not the cause of these things, but it does, according to the recent research, can make things worse. Mm -hmm. So what to do? This is the question that our person wrote in, uh, this grandparent wrote in. What right. to do when these kids, you know, your grandkids show up and they're not disciplined? And, you know, as a grandparent, maybe you like order in your house. Maybe as a grandparent, you know, you have the teacups, you know, on the, you know, coffee table. and Put them up and strap them down. You know, and so, and now your grandkids show up. It's like, oh my goodness, what do we do? Mm -hmm. So what, what to do when undisciplined grandkids come over for Christmas? What, what do you do? That's basically the question here. And so there's a few things we're going to list real quickly. Number one, uh, as a grandparent, and even as a parent, let the kids know you love them. I'm afraid that sometimes we as grandparents or sometimes we as parents will put off this vibe, if you will, that you're an annoyance. 
mm. that really, we really don't want you here. And kids can pick up on that. Yeah, they're, they're, it, a lot of a lot of people don't give kids credit for. They pick up on they it. They read through that right away. They smell blood in the water like a shark. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly. And when they think or believe that you don't want them there or you don't like them, you don't love them, mm. they will respond accordingly. Mm. It's kind of like, hey, you don't like me? Fine. I'm going to take your jewelry, okay? You don't like me, fine. You know, I'm going to, you know, do something to the dog or whatever. And so, so, but let, so let them know you love them. Be excited to see them because it's very difficult to be unkind to someone who gives love to you. I didn't say it was impossible, but it is sometimes difficult. Number two, let them know that you believe in them. You know, sometimes when the, when the grandkids come over, maybe the first thing you can say is, hey, I love you guys. I'm so glad y'all are here. You know, and I know y'all are going to be good, you know, inside when y'all are inside. You know, I, I just believe in you. I know that you're not going to fight over, you know, uh, who gets the last, you know, piece of pie or whatever. I just believe in you. And it's kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. Somebody believes Somebody in me. Somebody believes right. in me. I, I, I guess I need to show them that, hey, that I'm not going to fight over the last piece of pecan pie or whatever. Uh, number three, let their parents know your plans. In other words, let the parents know if I see something or there's something that's not going well, or if I see that he or she, my grandkid, is about to break, you know, grandma's, you know, teapot, I'm going to intervene. Yeah. You know, let the parents know ahead of time. Uh, next, if the child does something nice, in other words, they're obedient, mm-hmm. they're respectful, you know, reward them. And I know what some of our listening audience is saying. Well, they should be doing that anyway. Right, right. That's true. Yes. They should. However, there are some children, especially in this scenario, this is not their M.O. Right. And so when they do something that is out of their general way of behaving, and they are being nice, they are being obedient, they are you know being respectful, reward them. And that's some of the basic psychology that yeah, we know is because if I if I do if I do something and you reward me, I'm going to want to do it again. That's right. I mean, there's a that's a reason why all of our listening audience will tell you that's one reason why they go back to work. They got a paycheck on Friday, they go back to work on Monday. That's called reward. <laughs> that's a reward. Okay. Yep. And so, and so, and so, my point is, is that whether you're five or whether you're fifty-five, mm-hmm. that mindset, that reality, is still there. Also, as a grandparent, if your grandkids are coming over and and they have a reputation of being uh, disorderly or defiant, have some activities prepared for them. Let them know we're going to have a bonfire tonight. Let them know we're going to play, you know, something outside. Let them know we're going to play a ball game. Let them know we're going to go, you know, hunting or whatever it is, but have some activities prepared for them. Uh, Next, don't compare them. Don't compare mm. your grandkids to the other set of grandkids. Right. You know, yeah. don't compare, you know, your son's kids to your daughter's kids. Don't compare them. Next, if they act out, stop the show. You know, if you're opening up gifts and they go into a tantrum because they didn't get what they want, stop the show. You pick up the gifts, you send everybody to their room, you pick up the gifts. When everybody calms down, you come back. But you stop the show. Uh, let reality be the teacher. If you've warned your kid, don't pull the dog's tail. Don't pull the dog's tail. And you warn them, and you warn them, and you warn your grandkid, and they pull the dog's tail, and the dog bites them. Let reality be the teacher. Some natural causes. Yeah. <laughs> let reality be the teacher. Next, encourage them, uh, but don't praise them. Praise is only to God, hmm. but encourage your grandkids to do well, to perform well. Uh, don't react, but respond. 
Reaction is the knee jerk that, you know, that you, you, you kids get out of here. Y'all, y'all mess up everything. That's reacting. But responding by, hey, we're breaking some boundaries. We're, you know, you, you guys know the rules. We're going to, you know, walk this back a little bit. Uh, have guidelines more than restrictive rules. Uh, and, and if they are acting up on the inside, as a grandparent, put them outside. <laughs> right. Let them get some fresh air and sunshine. Don't ask why when they do something, because that creates defensiveness. And again, let the consequences be natural. If, they, if you tell them, hey, don't you know, throw your toy down, you'll break it, and they do, it's a broken toy. Don't get them another one. And then, of course, minimize technology. Mm. The reality is Christmas is a wonderful time, and it's a time that so many children look forward to, and it's a time also that so many kids get overly stimulated. Mm. And it's a time where, again, grandparents and grandchildren get to see each other and have those great, amazing, wonderful memories. But if it's not done well... If it's not done right, then the memories and the joy and the connection that you want may not be exactly the way you would hope it would be. So these guidelines, understanding these scenarios, understanding what may work and what may not work, I think it's so important. As the grandkids come over, again, be prepared, be ready, but most of all, be loving. Well, we hope that this has been helpful, and uh, we uh, want to say thank you again to the incredible people at Winter's Air and Day Smokehouse and Special Meats for underwriting this show. Uh, as always, the Family Answer Man is not a therapy session. We're not able to give specific advice to your situations, but we do believe that mental and spiritual health are very serious issues and uh, that when we get help, we can get help. Uh, we do want to wish you a Merry Christmas and hope that all of your holiday celebrations are filled with joy. And as always, we hope that this episode of The Family Answer Man will encourage you and inspire you to make changes that will lead to a stronger, healthier, happier family. 